enables an individual to persevere in accomplishing a goal despite obstacles, barriers and ceilings placed in their way over and over again. On SEN, this is Grit with Daisy Pierce. My guest this week is Jess Stenson, formerly Jess Pringo, two-time Olympian, two-time Com Games bronze medalist in the marathon, a practicing physiotherapist, and if you weren't impressed already, Jess is expecting her first baby in November and continues to train with the ambition of running in the Tokyo Olympics next August. Jess is the most determined, intelligent and warm athlete you'll come across. I caught up with her at the South Australian Sports Institute during her Monday morning training session. We talked about her gruelling program since taking up the discipline, the mental toughness required and how she's adjusted her approach during pregnancy. Well, the banging and crashing, you can hear the athletes at work at the South Australian Sports Institute. And I'm here with Jess Stenson, or formerly Jess Trengrove, who's been good enough to let me join her on a training session this morning. Jess is an Australian marathon runner, two-time Olympian, two-time Commonwealth Games bronze medalist. And I'm keen to chat to her about her career to date, but also Jess is sporting the most gorgeous little baby bump. And I want to talk to her about her experience so far with her pregnancy and continuing to train through that pregnancy, but also her big ambitions to compete in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics in August after giving birth to her first baby around November. So really interested to find out about that. Well, Jess, I'm super keen to talk pregnancy and babies and this journey that you're on but I should start back at the beginning for those that are listening and maybe haven't followed your career why marathon running I guess it's sort of the sport that um I felt most natural in so I grew up playing a variety of sports and absolutely loved netball but also basketball had to go at tennis wasn't too much for natural at that one we had a swimming pool in our backyard that was my mum's business was teaching swimming I also did a lot of that and uh, watched the Olympic swimmers and had a dream to be like them but that just didn't come naturally <laughs> to me I always felt like I was fighting the water whereas running I just sort of felt at home and definitely more the endurance based running I, I'd find myself feeling quite relaxed in cross country and I'd get tense and <laughs> in the sprints I wouldn't be making teams for relays and whatnot whereas um the distance running was my calling I think so I certainly didn't imagine myself running marathons as a youngster but as the years went on and I did my first 10k and thought wow that was great did my first half and absolutely loved it and then sort of the natural progression was to go to marathon so I was 24 when I ran my first one. <laughs> Is that relatively late to start out in marathon running or? It's actually quite early to start marathon running but I was quite late to specifically start focusing on running so I was still playing netball at 21 and that's when I made the choice to focus on running whereas I think a lot of people will focus on one sport a bit earlier in their careers so I think a lot of people tend to get the most out of themselves in the on the track and in the shorter distances and then later in their careers step up to the marathon whereas my coach Adam Diddick recognised early that the marathon would probably be my best event and so we started working towards that goal a bit earlier to capitalise on opportunities and chase that dream of making an Olympics. (laughs) Is it true your first marathon you ran a Olympic qualifying time and that your second marathon was at the Olympics or have I missed some of the history? In um, 2011 
my coach and I decided that I aim to run a marathon before the Olympic qualifying cutoff. We just thought there's nothing to lose here. We'll see how it goes. And so he picked a marathon in um, Nagoya in Japan in March of 2012 that was flat and um, typically, you know, fast times have been run there. It was actually a women's only marathon. So we headed over together with this big goal of trying to run under the qualifying time of two hours and 32 minutes and had no idea really how I'd go. Like I'd been training to get a feel for that pace of three minutes and 33 seconds per kilometre and had followed a formula that we thought should be <laughs> effective and ate lots of carbs the night before but went into it pretty excited I guess and I ended up running 2.31.02 uh, and was over the moon but it was just so what's that a, a minute under qualifying almost all? yeah so when I entered the Nagoya Dome which was where the finish line was I saw the clock and it had just ticked over 2.31 so at that point I knew that I was going to get the qualifying time and it was as giddy with excitement that was one of my favorite races just because suddenly I yeah realized that my Olympic dream might be alive but I still wasn't going to be sure until June when they would select the team because any other female could still run a faster time than me until that point so I just had to hold my breath and <laughs> wait but no it was really cool I laugh now looking back at sort of what I did eat the night before and what I did on the morning of and I would <laughs> never prepare that way now I, like, <laughs> where did you get your ideas from just oh I just thought I've got to eat carbs <laughs> so we went to this ramen bar and they had all you can eat kimchi which is obviously spiced cabbage and so I smashed that and then was eating this ramen in a garlicky spicy broth and I was actually fine on the race day but my um Bit Sports risky says, yeah, you're lucky to get through that one. <laughs> well, get through you did. <laughs> so wherever, ask, ask questions whenever, as I said, like, it's a nice phase of training because it's just so relaxed right now, really. Yeah. And has that got to do with timing of where you're at in the calendar or because of where you're at with the pregnancy? pregnancy. Yeah. See, like I'm just maintaining kind of a bit of a mental break as well from because basically since that marathon we just talked about in 20 I've done two to three every year so it's just been a really intense seven years so this is a really nice phase just to enjoy training and um take a bit of a breather yeah. <laughs> with it all choose what I want to do on the day with my aerobic conditioning and then just follow this injury I feel like I should be helping you. <laughs> well, since that first one we spoke of, you've had some amazing success. Two Olympics like we spoke of, a couple of bronze medals at the Com Games, including one at the Gold Coast. Yeah. And then you ran a ninth at the World Champs. And that's the highest finish that any Australian woman's ever had at a World Championship event. In the marathon. In the, yeah, in the that marathon. was in 2017 yeah. um, in London. That was a really special one, actually. I think that was the first race where... I've really felt like I matched it on the world stage and that race has given me motivation to just keep chasing more competition I think at the highest level so I often think back to that one in London in that was in August of 2017 but certainly the um the Olympics experiences the Commonwealth Games bronze medal I mean Glasgow in 2014 was pretty surreal because I 
really went into that race without many expectations and to come home with a medal um, was a huge surprise. And then going into the Commonwealth Games last year in, on the Gold Coast, I had more expectation, I guess, on myself and really wanted to better that bronze medal and make it a gold. But the way the race panned out, I... I was really excited just to finish the race at the end. It was really tough, so um, I'm very proud of that one as well. And, yeah, excited to see if I can make some more Aussie teams down the track. <laughs> Did it make a difference having the home crowd behind you at the Gold Coast? Or yeah. why was it tough when you say it was tough? Oh, absolutely. The home crowd was phenomenal. I tried to run to my strengths, I guess. I'd had the best marathon preparation I've ever had, I'd say, before that marathon and was really excited and the pace went out very conservatively, I think, because it was a hot and humid morning and I wanted to try and run more of an even race. Knowing some of the other competitors' strengths, um, I knew they'd be kicking home strong, so I thought if I can get the pace out a little bit quicker at the start... Um, it might benefit me and it all caught up with me at <laughs> 37 kilometres. I really doubted whether I'd be able to get to the finish line and it was the crowd that, that got me there and I was almost running, you know, just centimetres from the spectators to try and get their energy <laughs> and felt very crook when I crossed the line. But my family and family friends were all there and we had a very fun celebration on the Gold Coast. So. <laughs> bit of Cavalab action. <laughs> well, Jess, I know it's far too of a simplified question, but what does a normal training week look like? And it probably differs a little bit depending on where you're at in the calendar. But In a non-pregnancy phase. In a non-pregnancy <laughs> phase, yeah. What does a normal week look like? Um, I start with a session at the Sports Institute on a Monday morning. So I'll tend to go for a 60 to 70-minute jog followed by about a 40-minute strength and conditioning session. And then I um, do my second sort of session later in the day on a Monday and that's just usually an easy 30 to 40 minute jog. And then Tuesday is a session day, so I'll do... I prefer to do my sessions in the morning, so if I can get someone to train with me, I'll um, do it that way. And that'll be a 20 minute warm up followed by usually some medium to longer reps so maybe some 1k reps by eight or something like that and then a cool down and then i'll tend to do a 40 minute recovery jog at the end of the day wednesday's a um a longer run day so might be 90 to 100 minutes and maybe a little jog in the afternoon and some just stretching and lighter you know core work thursday is basically the same as tuesday but it's usually more of a long tempo type run session friday's an easier day just a light sort of half hour cardio session and then gym strength and conditioning saturday's like tuesday and thursday session day and then sunday's another long run day so that's usually two and a half hours where i might try and run the last half an hour closer to my marathon race pace and that adds up to about it's increased over the years so in my first marathon year i got up to about 155 kilometers but then in 2018 i was getting up to about 200 or just yeah. over some weeks so. <laughs> But right now, I'm probably doing 20 kilometres of running. Yeah. That's still darn impressive for someone who's 26 weeks pregnant. Her warm-up on a medium day goes longer than what my running sessions do at the moment. You're listening to This Is Grit on SEN, thanks to Victoria Police. Victoria Police is now recruiting. Apply now. On SEN, This Is Grit.
with Daisy Pearce. Welcome back to This Is Grit, thanks to Victoria Police. Victoria Police now recruiting. An insight into the women breaking down barriers in sport. My guest this week is Olympic marathon runner Jess Stenson, who explained the mental preparation required for marathon running and how she made the big decision to start a family in the peak of her athletic career. Well, you explained the physical prep, but would you say a marathon is more of a physical feat or a mental feat? It's definitely both. I think mentally you have to really um, be switched on to get the physical preparation done. So to actually get to a marathon start line, you need to have been motivated and I guess consistent for a long period of time and that's just as mental I think as physical um, obviously it's a fine line between doing too much and and not enough so you're constantly balancing that physical aspect as well but when you actually start the race I think the first half or maybe even the first two-thirds is very physical and the mental aspect is more just trying to stay relaxed and efficient and making sure you get your fuel and hydration right and then the last, probably, yeah, third of the race is very much mental. Physically, you really don't feel great. You're just holding on and, and mentally you're driving yourself to push through something quite that feels unnatural. So I like to think of the first half or so as being quite unemotional and just following a process, but then the emotions tend to seep in over the final few kilometres where you just start to think about why you run and draw on some inspiration of some sort to push through that physical yeah stress <laughs> and that side of things the mental side with the physical being so measured and structured i guess is it structured the training you put yourself through or the work that you do on the mental side of your sport or is it just your personality and things that you've worked out along the way for yourself kind of thing? um or is there a formal mentally, side to the mental training yeah you I think there's an innate sort of drive or life experience that it led you to want to do what you do for whatever reason and um, how strong those reasons are I think help to dictate how mentally tough you can be. I've definitely developed resilience in dealing with injuries and setbacks so that's happened through my own injuries and then talking to my brother Jack who's been through injuries and other um, people for inspiration and strategies on how to deal with that and then you get injured again and you sort of have those strategies you can draw upon immediately but definitely having a network around you through those times is important and then I think some of that mental toughness comes from just the training sessions you have to get through the training sessions you come up with strategies that you know then help you in races as well and some of that is I guess um, talked about with a sports psych I, I have worked with sports psychs over the years to more probably understand what I was already doing with the associative and dissociative thinking or mindfulness as they call it I realized talking to the sports psychologist that a lot of those strategies were being used in some way already but it's nice being able to understand why you were doing it yeah. and give them a name yeah exactly yeah. I read something after you you're talking about your run in the Gold Coast Marathon and you said that you tuned out from the physical symptoms how do you do that when you're hurting yeah. I think there are times where I guess the physio in me wants to think, okay, this is what's happening, what can I do to offload that area? And, and once I've sort of 
done everything I think I can to <laughs> get myself out of the pain through changing my biomechanics or whatever. I think, okay, now I've just got to look into the crowd or distract myself yeah. by thinking about other things because if you think too much about it, you, I think you do naturally slow down or, or think about the, uh, the appeal of stopping, which <laughs> you should never let yourself or tease yourself with that. <laughs> what is your number one driving factor, if you had to put it into a sentence? I really enjoy the opportunity to um, excite other people and to inspire others to challenge themselves, I guess, and um, better their health, be active. So whenever um, things are getting tough, I sort of think back to that and what impact I can have on more people. (laughs) I think you'll certainly be doing that. If people weren't already impressed and inspired enough that... You're a pregnant lady training to <laughs> compete in the next Olympics. You just dropped that you're also a qualified and practising physio as well. So you're definitely doing that. Now, I want to talk about your PB. Two hours, 25 minutes, 59 seconds. And to put it into some context, that's what, an average of about three and a half minute kilometres for the, over the 42. 327. So 327 minute kilometres as an average over 42 kilometres. It's about on pace with what... Or you'd beat every single girl in AFLW in their 2K time trial (laughs) on those averages. And I remember actually sitting with a lot of the boys at the Melbourne Footy Club, including your brother, when you were running, it might have been at the Com Games or maybe the World Champs. And they were all saying how your last three kilometres would have beaten maybe 10 of the boys in the squad for their 3K time trial a few weeks earlier. So it was pretty humbling for them. (laughs) I always say to Jack, you know, if you were fresh and you were wearing light shoes and you were on an immaculate track, you know, you would run fast. (laughs) You're too humble and too kind. Jess's brother is Jack Fringove, who uh, played and captained the Melbourne Footy Club, so I'm sure they've shared notes, but it was a good little wake-up call for a lot of his teammates. <laughs> Jess, I'm so keen to talk about your journey in this pregnancy. When, I guess, I'll start with the question, when is a good time for a marathon runner at the peak of her powers to have a baby, and how did you grapple with that decision? Yeah, I think it's very individual. I started speaking to some health professionals probably about a year ago just to say this is the situation you know what do you think and I knew that it was probably going to be a process it might not sort of happen straight away and I I weighed up at the age of sort of 30 31 when I was having those chats you know trying to wait until after the next Olympics and maybe feeling under more pressure and I thought no let's just it feels right to start looking at this side of things now because my priority has always been to start a family something I've always wanted and and Dylan as well and then you know just trust that I'll be able to get back to running and hopefully at the highest level down the track and I guess without that anxiety about will I be making it hard for myself if I chase the next Olympics so that's the approach we took and in terms of information I feel grateful that there is more out there now than there would have been five and you know ten years ago so there is a growing body of research but there's still a lot more to be done so I signed up for a physio course in June and that was on women's health and maternity and that basically Taryn Hallam the presenter showed us all of the latest research about exercise and whatnot that is out there so I feel confident that I've got all of the information that's available 
and applying that to my situation because it's still a very individual thing. So I've actually really enjoyed learning more in this in it in this area, but it's made me really keen to also push for more research to be done and, and get the education out there. When you say you knew it was going to be a bit of a process, what do you mean? You're talking about fertility and yeah. the issues that some athletes have faced with that or what did you know before you kind of came on this journey? Yeah, so when I was um, a teenager even, I was having some troubles back like at that point and um, saw some health professionals then. This was before I was running and, you know, like a lot of, I think, females went on the pill to regulate things and so I'd been on you know medications since basically I was 18 years old so you just don't know what your body's going to do naturally and so coming off that and having added in high endurance sport into the picture my hormones weren't sort of regulating straight away so I knew that I'd need some extra support to make things happen and I thought this could take years it it could take months you just don't know and if it was going to take years I I was prepared for quite an emotional roller coaster there because they would be years where I probably wouldn't be able to train at the highest level because I'd be trying to do the right thing for my body and to be able to start a family. But fortunately, the process didn't take as long as, as we thought. So, <laughs> what, what is the research out there in terms of like a sport like yours when your body composition and body weight, all of those things mm. seem to have an impact on your fertility and ability to conceive? Is that still relevant in the up, more up-to-date learning that you've done? Yeah, I mean, there's a higher emphasis now on sort of that relative energy availability and whatnot. So trying to make sure you're getting in enough fuel for your energy um, needs. But there's also that aspect of your body recognising that it's doing something quite unique and extreme. And I think for many people who want to start a family, they do need to just back off a bit from their high intensity or high volume training just so that their body feels like it's in a position where it could grow (laughs) another human so I think people need to sort of time their peak training times accordingly and if, if they're looking to start a family it might just be a matter of taking a step back and making sure that they do put on a few extra kilograms because we tend to train and race at different weights and when you get down to your, your race weight it's probably not conducive to starting a family. <laughs> and how much of this information or what you knew do you think was what you knew from your professional life as a physio versus what's available as an athlete. Do you have a sense of what your other teammates might know or I don't want to use the word normal (laughs) runners might know or... People talk about it a bit but most of the information I have is from actually having one-on-one consults with health professionals or specialists in the industry and learning more about my situation because I think everyone's situation is quite different but certainly I've worked with a sports nutritionist who's educated me a lot as well and it's nice to have teammates that you can chat about it with but I think it is traditionally it's been an area that hasn't probably been spoken about quite enough and people go through focusing on their training and performance and thinking oh yeah that'll all sort itself out later and Mm -hmm. sometimes it's it's not that easy (laughs) and what was the overall reaction from your coaches and teammates I know it's not a team sport Mm -hmm. so to speak but you're trained within a team what was there any sense of 
disappointment or why now from coaches or people that you work with given the timing of it heading into the Olympics? Not my personal coach. Adam's been really supportive and he has two children of his own and says it's the greatest thing, you know, in his life. <laughs> he just is really excited for Dylan and I to be going through this experience. And to be honest, yeah, most of my sponsors have been really supportive too, which is fantastic. And um, obviously, here my coach at Sassy, um, he's my strength and conditioning coach. He's been great and he's educating himself in this area of women's health and performance as well. So I think I just really knew I wanted it. And probably when I shared the news, it was in a really positive way. So I've had quite positive responses. Thanks for listening to This Is Grit. Thanks to Victoria Police. Victoria Police now recruiting. Apply now. Next, Jess shares how she has adjusted to the physical changes of pregnancy, the importance of balance in her life and how she's drawn inspiration from other mums who have worked their way back to the top. On SEN, This Is Grit with Daisy Pearce. Welcome back to This Is Grit. Thanks to Victoria Police. Victoria Police now recruiting. An insight into the women breaking down barriers in sport. My guest this week is Olympic marathon runner Jess Stenson. She's 26 weeks pregnant with her first baby. And whilst her number one priority is a healthy baby and enjoying motherhood, she remains focused on next year's Tokyo Olympics. So how have you found the pregnancy journey then? Talk us through. So early on, so I actually found out very early, so like four and a half weeks and had my hens party like that weekend and then wedding a few weeks later. So the early days, there was lots happening and yeah, I had a bit of fun in the wedding week, my dress. I had to have adjusted because I had started to just pop out a little bit in the belly. So that was a bit of stress getting some alterations done and whatnot, but I had so much fun on our wedding day and night and then Dylan and I had a really low-key little honeymoon and uh, had our 12-week scan after that and so that's when we sort of started telling people and yeah it was pretty good in that I only just felt mild nausea through that phase and then got to 13 weeks and I haven't felt sick since so I've been able to continue an exercise routine the whole way through so far. At 14 weeks I started getting some pelvic pain that lasted for about a month and that stopped me from running for that month so I um, got more I guess involved at the gym and into the cross training and established a routine which I've kept but yeah I imagine that might start to get a bit harder into the last few weeks of pregnancy so I just do take each week as it comes and I guess um, have found that you can't if you feel a particular pain or discomfort one week it might not be there the next you you can't afford to get too worried about something because it might go away quite quickly it's not like other injuries I've dealt with in the past my pelvic pain I thought okay well it's week 14 and I'm, I'm not going to be able to run or walk comfortably for the rest of my pregnancy but four weeks later just had a little bit of a go at a jog and found that you know it, it was okay yeah. and I which got, doesn't make sense no, physiologically but um, and then from the emotional side of things I think there are a few weeks there where sleeping was tough because I've always been a stomach sleeper and getting used to sleeping on my side and there are the times where suddenly clothes that were fitting well don't don't fit at all and you just have to have a bit of a, a laugh about <laughs> some of those things when you're so used to knowing your body and being in control of it and these changes happen and you just 
you know that it's what needs to happen for the for the baby's health and just sort of roll with it and you're kind of learning from your body rather than controlling yeah. <laughs> your body which you used to well, I'm keen to explore that a little bit more because that's something that I battled like grappled with a lot along yeah. the way is when physicality and being fit and active is such a huge part of your identity yeah it's such a big outlet for you emotionally and mentally when you can't go to your normal fallbacks how did you kind of adjust to that Dylan my husband's been really supportive and that's played a very positive role like when I've sort of said oh this is what's happening and he just keeps reassuring me that it, this needs to happen like you gain that weight early on and that's sort of your um, protection I guess for like when you breastfeed later you need those extra I guess fuel and stores there you know to be able to handle that extra energy output when you're breastfeeding and there are all these things that happen and you've just got to, you have to trust that the body's a very smart thing and, and does this for a reason and so having um Dylan reassuring me and I guess friends and family I've got a sister who's had two children so I call her a bit just to compare notes when I'm worried about anything and being able to exercise is really important for me as well because it does make me feel good. So getting out there in the fresh air, you know, on a day like this when the sun's out, it's always nice yeah. and that really helps my mood. And I've been listening to quite a few podcasts as well. So using this time where I'm not running as much and doing intense sessions just to enjoy relaxed yeah. exercise with a podcast in and learning about anything and everything. Yeah, you touched briefly, I think, on body image when you mentioned clothes that don't mm. fit and just having to laugh it off have what, what, what's your experience been like with that for someone that's probably spent all your life measuring everything you eat and concentrating on your body composition yeah. talk us through how you've kind of psychologically approached that it's like those changes started happening quite early and probably pregnancy was obviously one part of that but also exercising less um so my body changed probably at 10 to 12 weeks um, whereas for some it might happen later in the pregnancy and yeah I've always tried to really focus on fueling my body to enable it to do what it needs to do and there have been times where to get to race weight or whatever you have to just be I guess measured in what you're eating so you really time your meals around training but you have to sometimes just be disciplined whereas through pregnancy I've tried to remove that discipline and thinking if I'm hungry it's because I, I need to eat here so I've taken a bit of a different mental approach and if you're feeling like carbs I figure that's I, I do need to have those carbs so I'm trying to still eat as healthily as I can but I've been able to stick to a pretty normal diet but just similar principle to when I'm competing and training in that I want to get as many vitamins and minerals and variety in as possible but also if I'm feeling hungry in the night I should just get up and eat don't push through it because my body probably is making me hungry for a reason <laughs> I think too um I also think if my legs can carry me with like this extra weight on, they're going to be so strong afterwards. So I kind of see the positive there as well. I've said to my coach a few times, like, how good is it going to feel exercising after when I'm used to carrying this extra weight? So you got to kind of see the benefits of developing or your muscles adapting to carrying that extra load as well it, yeah <laughs> that's an insight into the optimistic mind of Jess Stenson 
They say that when you give birth, there's something that happens that just makes you forget about the birth process. Otherwise, no one would oh, and have another one. It's got to be the same with marathon yeah. running as well because I so often I'm coming down the home straight thinking, oh, well, this is my last marathon, soak it up. <laughs> and then a couple of days later, you're looking for the next one. Yeah. So there's definitely some protection mechanism yeah. built into us to make us forget this yeah. extreme discomfort. Yeah. Have you got any fears? I guess for me, the actual giving birth, not knowing how it's going to pan out and knowing that you might have sort of one idea of how it's going to look and then it completely changes and there just are so many potential complications. So I just really hope that everything's safe and um yeah, not too traumatic for the baby or, or me or Dylan. <laughs> yeah. Any fears or doubts in terms of what the implications might be on your career? Yeah, look, I, from that side of things, there's so much I love about all the different elements of what I'm doing at the moment with, you know, physio and the, the talks and I feel like whatever happens if for whatever reason I, I can't get back to running at the level I hope to I'll find something else I can throw my energy into that will be really rewarding as well definitely marathon running is I feel like there's still some unfinished business there and I really hope to pursue that but I think starting a family is so important to me that I would never have any regrets if this for whatever reason stops me from doing that I'll be able to look back at that the experiences I've had and the Olympics, the Commonwealth Games and that PB in October and it was really nice that I could start this journey off the back of a, a PB and I made sure I was really happy with that result before starting this journey. I don't sort of, I haven't gone into it with a real um, sense of leaving on a bad note or anything like that. So, Best case scenario, how confident are you? that you can get back to running something close to your PV if everything goes... I know we've acknowledged that it's not within your control, but if everything goes according to plan, um, what does afterwards look like? <laughs> yeah, look, I feel like my body's in a healthy state physically and mentally to be able to, you know, improve on my best. And certainly... Historically, there have been plenty of women who have come back from having children who have reached, you know, their best or better. And um, even just right now, there are some women out there who are really inspiring. Um, Lisa Waitman and Sinead Diver, and they're both um, in their late 30s to early 40s and, and running personal bests, like literally just on the weekend. Um, Lisa ran the all-comers um, half marathon record, so 68, 40 seven for a half marathon which is phenomenal and um she's got a baby and eight or so years you know more experience than me in life so i think that's really positive and it's great for women in the sport seeing that there's age is no barrier it's basically as long as you're physically and mentally strong enough you can just keep going thanks for listening to this is grit thanks to victoria police victoria police now recruiting apply now Stay with us as Jess takes me to her local for a pregnant marathon runner's breakfast. On SEN.
This is Grit with Daisy Pearce. Welcome back to This is Grit, thanks to Victoria Police. Victoria Police now recruiting. An insight into the women breaking down barriers in sport. My guest this week is Olympic marathon runner Jess Stenson, who's expecting her first baby in November and aims to run in the marathon at the Tokyo Olympics in the following August. Over breakfast at her local, Jess and I chatted about what life might look like in between. Well, the gym session's done. Now the fun part. We're at Mr Sunshine's, which is this a bit of a regular, Jess, this cafe? Yeah, I do love it here. It's got great coffee and it's not far from the SA Athletic Stadium, so we often come here after a track session, sit on those outdoor tables in the sunshine, which we're lucky on a winter's day today we've got that. <laughs> what does a marathon runner have to eat to fuel up after a session, let alone a pregnant one? Yeah, well, I'm letting my appetite sort of dictate what I eat and um, taking the same principles into pregnancy as I would for my training. So after a session, I try to get in a good balance of protein and carbohydrates. So today I want to have some um, sourdough toast with a few poached eggs and avocado so you get the good fats in there as well and that helps to kickstart the recovery process and get lots of good, I guess, nutrients in there as well. How strictly do you have to watch your diet or how, how is it tracked and followed generally in your sport and then maybe how has that changed now that you're having a baby? So over the last seven years um, since working at the South Australian Sports Institute with the exercise physiologist and the team there, I've been able to get some good data on you know my training weight and optimal um, sort of race weight and my coach and my sports dietitian, exercise physiologist and I really take the approach of fuel well to be able to get really high quality training in and your body will naturally, I guess, evolve. So um, your body composition will be a product of the good nutrition and, and hard training rather than trying to fast track performance by trying to... Uh, modify your body composition and make that a focus so I really like that mentally for me thinking about just feel well and train well and everything else will sort itself out. Thinking ahead now to once you have the baby and I know you're not it sounds like you're not putting any great pressure on yourself or setting any crazy goals that you have to get back but you're leaving your options open. Marathon running, I can imagine, is very time-consuming in terms of the training that you have to do. How do you plan to kind of get that balance right of training and enjoying motherhood, I suppose? Like, what have you thought about that period when you've thought ahead? Yeah, well, the priority will be enjoying motherhood and obviously learning or getting to know um, my baby and or our baby and knowing... You know, it's it's patterns and sleep times and whatnot, and then starting to work my schedule around that to some extent. So I've uh, looked into options of getting some cross-training equipment or a treadmill at home so that when the baby's sleeping, I might be able to sneak a bit of a session in. I know this is all good in theory, and <laughs> you can tell me what it's like in reality, but um, there's the options of, you know... A running pram but even I think it'll be good for me just to get out and walk with the pram because I do love the outdoors so doing you know a lot of my training indoors and cross training I'll need that balance you know getting out and getting some fresh air uh, if I can still keep those two gym sessions a week in that I do I think that'll be really helpful so um, some sort of external 
support, someone to maybe look after the baby during some of those gym times would be really helpful. But again, I, I don't know what we'll be able to put in place for that to happen. So there's so so many unknowns and. Um, I think it'll take me a couple of weeks just to work out what our situation is and then start to try and put some support in place. Yeah, that is just regardless of what you think might happen, it's yeah. probably a good approach what you're doing. Having just gone through it myself is just let's get there and see where we land yeah. and, and kind of make decisions based on that. But probably, I think, a great idea, the, the treadmill at home. I know I've just set myself up with a watt bike or a bike at home that I can train on because it takes out having to leave the house, which is logistically half the yeah. battle. So to be able to just sneak in a little bit of training when the opportunity presents and to do it quite opportunistically is a really handy. Yeah, and that's another thing. I've typically been quite rigid in my training routine so Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday session, Sunday long run day and at very specific times meeting a group of people at a location just letting go of that and saying when I'm feeling good when I've had a good night of sleep that could potentially be a day where I exercise with a bit more intensity and um, letting my body really dictate what I do and, and going with the flow a bit that way and I think too I've been doing quite a lot of research into what your body goes through postpartum, the different hormone changes and your bone density changes and making sure that you um, don't get too eager to um, yeah, jump back into things too quickly because it could cause an injury that will be a, a greater setback than if you just be patient. So, I wish I'd sat down and had this coffee with you before I uh, embarked on my own journey <laughs> because I love you. I mean, your attitude towards it's probably something that I've had to go on a journey to finding myself and what you said about just throwing the structure out the window and being a bit more in the moment and taking opportunities as they come up is a, is a big one for me that when you see an hour to get something done, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about what the calendar used to look like. So it's awesome to hear that you're already there. You're putting yourself in a great position to probably do it and do it well. I think that is one of the um, benefits of uh, an individual sport at times is you can work to your own schedule a little bit more. Team sports, uh, you're very much trying to work in with what everyone else is doing. So I can imagine that would add another layer of sort of stress. <laughs> Do you think you'll use this time and, and the feeling of having to be a bit on the sideline, side I guess, to motivate you afterwards? Yeah, for sure. And I think... As I mentioned to you earlier, I started running marathons in 2012 and it's been seven years of pretty intense, um, you know, marathon build-up race, have a bit of recovery, build up to the next goal and it's um, been full on both physically, mentally and, you know, emotionally and I think this time is a really nice opportunity to, um, you know, take a step back and uh, reflect on that seven years and what I've loved and you know, just develop the fuel and the motivation um, for the next phase. So I do see this as something I, I needed anyway, just to, yeah, restoke the fire. <laughs> Fill in this timeline for me, though. So you're having a baby in November, mid-November, mid and then the Olympics are in August. In a perfect world, what does the in-between look like on sort of a month-by-month -month basis in terms of how you ramp up your training? 
Yeah, well, basically the um, Olympic qualifying cutoff for the marathon is the 1st of June, I'm pretty sure. So it would involve running a marathon before then. And the qualifying time is 2 hours and 28 minutes now. But there are already, you know, three girls who have, who have run that time. So it's a really competitive space. So you don't just need to run that time. You need to be the fastest <laughs> under that. So it's a huge challenge and I think you know running a marathon within that time frame everything would have to be seamless not just from a physical perspective but mental as as well like you'd need to um, obviously be getting enough sleep to stay motivated and, and all of those things so uh, it would involve running a marathon before then and then obviously recovering and then building up to leave the marathons in early August. So. You've got a big time ahead, but the most important bit is your baby first. So all the best. Um, thanks so much for your time. Um, really enjoyed the chat and you're an absolute inspiration. So thanks for joining us on This Is Grit. Thank you, Daisy. I really enjoyed the chat too. <laughs> Thanks for listening to This Is Grit. Thanks to Victoria Police. You're more suited than you might think to join Victoria Police. Apply now. Well, I'm well and truly inspired. A huge thanks to Jess for opening up to us and all the best to you and Dylan for this very exciting time in your lives. Then, best of luck as you work towards Tokyo in August. We can't wait to follow your journey. Next week on This Is Grit, I spend the day in Sydney with up-and-coming AFL coach Alicia Eva. I'll sit in on the Monday morning player reviews at the Giants where Alicia is a backline coach for the men's team.